Good morning. Welcome to First Church today. A few announcements before we get started. Confirmation students, don't forget today and all through February, you'll be staying until 1130 to work on your faith statements. There'll be a quick, wonderful Wednesday meeting for helpers and teachers on Tuesday, February 13th at 7 o'clock in the basement social room. All teachers, helpers, and volunteers are encouraged to attend. They're going to review schedules and go over any last-minute planning items. And if your students haven't registered for Wonderful Wednesdays, it isn't too late. There's registration forms up here in the front front pew and also on our website. Wednesday, February 14th, is Ash Wednesday. Worship service with ashes and communion will be at 7.30 p.m. And not only is Joel and Allie welcomed a new baby into their family, yesterday Joel called us and said he's come down with the flu. So Joel's Sunday school class for today is canceled, and Tori's going to be sharing the message with us today entitled The Great Commission. So please join me in the call to worship taken from Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Now let us stand and sing hymn number 26, A Mighty Fortress is Our God.
As the children come forward for children's chat, take this time to greet your neighbor. And with it being flu season, it's okay to give a fist bump, elbow bump, or a hello. How are you guys today? Good. I have a couple of girls up here with smile on their faces. They had a fun double date with their daddies, huh? Yeah. Well, today we're going to be talking about temptation and kindness. So I know temptation is a really big word for you guys, but it's basically meaning somebody else getting you to do something you shouldn't. So have you ever said something that you know you shouldn't have? Yeah. Has somebody ever tempted you or tried you to get to say something mean to a friend or a sibling or somebody you didn't even know? Yeah. Have you ever given in to something mean or said something you know you shouldn't have? So somebody tried to get you to do it, but have you ever given in to that temptation? Oh, sometimes. Well, what do I have here? Toothpaste. Toothpaste. What does toothpaste do? What do you use toothpaste for? To brush our teeth. To brush our teeth. Why do we brush our teeth? To keep them clean, to keep all them germs out, to make sure they're white and sparkly, make sure your breath don't stink, make sure cavities don't happen. So this tube of toothpaste today, I'm going to say it is your words. These are our words that we say to somebody. And I'm going to open it up. And we have kind words that we say often to people. So we have... This toothpaste that is just saying kind words and saying, you look pretty today, I like your outfit today, you give the best hugs, whatever. I love your friendship, you're a great friend to me, thank you for being kind to me, different things. So those are good words. Now, occasionally, we do give in to temptation because that's our human nature of saying bad things or somebody giving us the temptation to say, oh, call that kid silly or call that kid a dummy, you know, and it's not the greatest of things to say. So here's our bad words, and here they come. They're coming out like crazy. And do you notice this line's a lot different than that one? Well, our good words are different than our bad words. Now, do you think I can say a bad word and then take it back? Mm-mm. Do you think I could get this toothpaste back in this tube? Yeah. Yes? Okay, let's try. So I brought my little butter knife with me, and we're going to try and get this toothpaste back in. I don't think it's working very well, do you guys? I did it with a toothpick. With a toothpick? That would take a very long time. Well, it's not working with my butter knife, and... That just created a bigger mess, right? So with our temptation that we fall into or saying something that we know we shouldn't, who can make our hearts clean? God. God. 
How does he do that? He gives us love. He gives us love to put in our hearts. He gives us kindness to share with others. Do you think if we have Jesus in our hearts, it's easier to say something kind than to say something mean? Yeah, yeah I think so too. And part of having Jesus in our hearts is when we are in to say something, oh, tell your sister she's silly. I can do that. <laughs> well, that would be falling into the temptation. So if, you, if I tell you, hey, tell your sister she's silly, and you're like, I can't do that because I really love my sister. You know, that is having Jesus in our hearts. So, okay. Oh, she likes, are, do you like acting silly? Well, sometimes silly is an okay thing because when you're trying to get a smile on somebody's face and you just act a little silly, sometimes it's okay. So let's go ahead and pray. Dear Jesus, please be with these kiddos. Be with them in their hearts. Lord, if they have in temptation sometimes, just do something or say something that they shouldn't. Lord, be ever so present in their hearts to guide them in the right direction. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. In last week, lost one of our soldiers in Germany at Preisberg, or Prosberg uh, near Hofensfels, First Sergeant Nicholas S. Amsbury, 34, from Mesa, Arizona. And at Camp Rilea, Oregon, we lost Specialist Devin J. Kuhn, 24, from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you, Jay. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for bringing us here this morning. Even with the ice and all, we thank you that we can gather here. Um, and that we thank you for those um, that aren't able to be here, but then can still listen and worship with us on the radio as well. God, we thank you that you are a good God and that you show up in the midst of um, anything, Lord, and that we can call on your name and you will be there, Lord. God, we pray for those who have lost loved ones, Lord. We pray for our soldiers and their families um, that are grieving the loss of their loved ones, Lord. I pray uh, that you would just be their comfort, um, that you would be their strength in this time, Lord, um, and that you would help them get through it. God, I pray for all those that are sick, um, that are on our cares and concerns list. Lord, we pray, pray especially for Pastor Joel as he is not feeling well. We pray that you would just heal his body um, and protect the rest of the family from getting the sickness as well, Lord. God, I pray this morning, um, as, a, as impromptu it is, as it is for me to be up here, Lord, that you would just speak, um, that you would open our eyes and our hearts and our ears and our mind to, for what you have for us, Lord. And the things that we hear, we would obey. God, we know that you have a message for us this morning, and I pray that you would um, 
just help us to listen to that, Lord. Help us to uh, live into the Great Commission as a church and as individuals, Lord. God, I thank you for Shelby and the words that she said this morning in children's chat and um, how true it is that we can't take back the things that we say, Lord, and our words have immense power. And God, I pray that you would remind us of that as we go throughout our week, Lord. Um, In the midst of temptations and struggles, Lord, that you have overcome all of that. And I pray that you would remind us of that as we go about our daily lives. God, I pray that you would be with us in these next moments, that you would bless the offering um, that we are about to take up, Lord, and use it for your glory. We pray all of these things in your heavenly name. Amen. This morning's offering, um, hold on just a second. I don't have my bulletin. This morning's offering is in your bulletin. Sorry about that. Um, And it's for the Building Improvements and Technology Fund. And while the ushers come forward to take this morning's offering, uh, the choir is going to lead us in some music.
Today's scripture deals with the Great Commission, which uh, enforces the idea that we are all disciples of Christ, that it's our job, our responsibility um, to tell others about Christ and spread the message across the word, world. Here today's scripture, which comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Continue standing and pleasing him number 52, O God, our help in ages past. pray. Lord God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to be up here again. Um, God, I pray that you would help me to get through this on your strength, Lord. Um, Help me to speak the words that you want me to speak. Um, And Lord, I just pray that the things that we hear this morning, that we would obey, that the Great Commission still holds a lot of Wait for us, Lord, and that that is something that we as as your disciples have to live into. And God, I pray that we would dig deep into that this morning, um, dig deep into your word, and um, figure out how to live into this great commission every single day. Amen. 
So like I said, I wasn't expecting to be up here uh, this quickly, uh, but I got the call yesterday at noon uh, from Pastor Joel. Thank goodness it was not at midnight, uh, so I'm praising God for that. Um, but yeah, he is not feeling well, and he will hopefully be back with us next Sunday. Um, so yeah, I kind of threw something together on the fly. Uh, so hopefully it goes well this morning, but I really wanted to do a follow-up from my previous sermon from two weeks ago. Uh, And my last sermon was all about the cost of being a disciple of Christ, what that costs us, and the cost of that commitment to Christ. Christ expects commitment from all of us. He also expects us to put our commitment to him into action. It's not enough for us just to say, yes, God, I commit to you. We actually have to follow through with that. If we're truly serious about living as disciples of Christ, we have to be truly serious about living that commitment out every single day. So when I was in 7th and 8th grade, I went through my church's confirmation program. And I was one of those students that gave my youth pastor a run for his money. And it wasn't that I didn't want to be in confirmation. I really did. Um, But I didn't want to do the work. I didn't want to put the time in and actually commit to doing all of the work that my, the confirmation class required. And we had a lot of work. Uh, our, every week, we had to do weekly sermon notes. We had to do weekly Bible verse quizzes. We had journals that we had to keep every week. And then on top of all of that, we had to do 25 hours of community service outside of the church. So I couldn't sign up for a fundraiser for the mission trip I was going on and count that as community service. I actually had to go and find different places around Muskegon and serve at those places on top of all of the work that we had to do. And I was pretty good about keeping on top of the sermon notes. That was easy. You know, you just came on Sunday mornings and took them. The journals were pretty easy as well. And even the service hours weren't super hard to do. But when it came to the Bible verse quizzes, I dug my feet in. There was no way I was doing that. And I did the bare minimum to get by that first year. And I was, I got kind of lazy and I, was, I fell behind quite a bit. And so my youth pastor, Tim, he pulled me into his office one day and he said, Tori, you're not going to pass confirmation this year. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? You can fail confirmation? That's dumb. <laughs> and uh, so we made a deal and he said, I want you to go back through all of your uh, Bible verse quizzes that you didn't do well on and you have to write them 25 times over each one of them. There was like 10 of them. And then on top of that, I had to write the Apostles' Creed 25 times over. So all of those verses that I had to rewrite 25 times, I've got them in my memory. And one of them just happens to be the Great Commission. Who knew that I would use that so so many years after the fact? But at the time, writing these verses felt like pure torture, because I had to spend every Saturday for a month just sitting there writing out verses after verses. But I didn't realize, and now I do looking back, that my youth pastor was trying to teach me the value of commitment, the value of signing up for something and actually following through with it. He was trying to instill in me the value of committing to my faith and be willing to do the hard stuff, the stuff that, made, that we had to, that had to dig into our Bibles, that we had to commit to living that out. And I can honestly say I never got behind in confirmation again. And I took it seriously. Um, And I can also honestly say that my faith in the next year of confirmation began to grow because I took it seriously. I actually committed to it in my own little eighth grade 
kind of way. But our faith as disciples of Christ requires commitment put into action. Commitment without action is just words. It's just empty promises of the things that we say and that we want to do, but never actual, actually follow through in doing. If we truly want to commit to being a disciple of Christ, we have to back our commitment up with action. So in the last chapter of the book of Matthew, Matthew 28, Jesus had risen from the grave. The tomb was empty, and people were still mourning his death. They weren't quite sure what was going to happen. They knew Jesus had promised all of these things, but they were kind of in this weird, like, limbo state of not quite knowing when Jesus was going to return. And so Mary and Mary Magdalene went to the tomb, and this huge earthquake came out of nowhere, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The angel told them, Jesus isn't here. He's not in this tomb. He is risen. And the angel showed them the place where Jesus' body was laid. And he told them that he was risen, and he is going ahead of them into Galilee. So the women went off to Galilee, and Jesus appeared to them. And they fell at his feet and worshipped him. Jesus told Mary and Mary, Go, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So the women, they had come to the tomb expecting to find the death of their hopes. But now everything had been turned upside down because Jesus had risen. So Mary and Mary do the logical thing, what Jesus told them to do, and they go start telling everyone. And it spreads faster than gossip in a small town. It spread like wildfire. And everyone knew that Jesus was alive, that he had risen from the grave. And it was causing a huge uproar. People were confused. People were nervous. They were excited. They weren't quite sure what was happening. And the chief priests, they even caught wind of this, and they started to try to devise a plan to cover up the resurrection and to downplay everything that had just happened. They even went so far as to pay off the guards and just say, hey, if anyone comes up to you and asks about Jesus rising again, just tell them that the disciples came in the middle of the night and that they stole his body. So in the midst of all of this confusion and joy and questioning that everyone had in Galilee as to whether or not Jesus was alive or not, something deep within them started to recognize that all that they had hoped for was actually beginning to come true. So the disciples listened to Mary and Mary, and they go to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. And he appeared to the disciples with a commission for them for what they are to do now that he is gone. Matthew 28:18 through 20 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So all along in Jesus' ministry, Jesus had been leading the disciples and revealing himself and who he was as the Son of God to them. And it was something that the disciples really had a hard time understanding um, when he was here on the earth. But now that he's been raised and all of the promises that he said had come true, they're finally starting to realize, oh, Jesus actually is the Son of God. And so Jesus then reminds them of his authority. And he tells the disciples that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. God gave Jesus authority over heaven and earth. 
And on the basis of that authority, Jesus told the disciples to go and make other disciples. In the Great Commission, Jesus declares that his disciples are to make more of what he has made of them. In that sense, the commission encapsulates Jesus' purpose for coming to earth. Jesus has come to inaugurate the kingdom of heaven on earth by bringing men and women into a saving relationship with himself, to be disciples of Christ, and to live that out every single day. So what does this great commission mean for us? What does this look like for us to live into that as a church, but also as individuals? And how do we become like the first disciples and live into that commission every single day? Thankfully, Jesus lays this out step by step for us. The first part of this is that we have to go. We have to go and make disciples of all nations. The reason Jesus came to this earth is so that we can be brought into relationship with God through his son's death on the cross. Jesus tells the disciples to jump into action. Go and make disciples of all nations. Now, I don't know about you, but that would be kind of intimidating to me. Even as a pastor, I still get nervous when I have to tell someone about Christ. And, you know, if someone were to tell you, hey, I think you should go and tell this person in your life about Christ, you might start thinking about all the things you have to say. Your mind might kick into overdrive saying, okay, well, if I say this, this might not be good, but maybe I should say this instead of this. And all of these questions start coming up. And you might even make an excuse to get out of it, say, I don't know if it's what God wants me to do. Maybe, maybe you should do it. But the reality is, is that telling people about Christ and trying to go and make disciples is a scary thing. The reality is that it is, it's intimidating. And that going and telling people about Christ in hopes that they might hear the good news and start a relationship with him is nerve-wracking. And Jesus knows that. Jesus knows the disciples are nervous about this. He reminds them, go, go in my authority, go in my name and make disciples of all nations. You're not doing this alone. You're doing this in my name. Go and make disciples of people that intimidate you, that look different from you, that come from different backgrounds and walks of life and tell them about me. The world around us is lost and dying without a savior. Jesus' final great commission makes sure that we do not become ingrown, complacent, or callous. We must look around and bring the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of heaven to the people of all nations, no matter how afraid and scary that might be for us. Romans 10, 14 through 15, reminds us of the importance of bringing the good news to everyone. It says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The good news of Jesus Christ and the redemption that he offers is for everyone. Paul highlights the importance of making disciples by pointing out the obvious, that you only believe because someone shared the gospel with you. Making disciples stems from our own faith, from our own experiences, which we only have because someone took the risk and told us about the gospel. Making disciples is about continuing the cycle of redemption, passing on the faith that was passed on to you. See, none of us would have ever known, if, known about Jesus if it weren't for someone telling us the good news. 
But now it's our turn. It's our turn to be the good news spreaders and to go and tell people about the gospel. It's scary. It's intimidating. But our faith in God and our commitment to living out our faith has to be bigger than our fear. So what does this look like for us? Well, it means that we literally have to go. We have to be willing to jump up and jump into action and to tell people the good news of Jesus Christ. And maybe you're sitting here and some names are popping into your mind. Maybe you're thinking of your coworker or a family member or a friend that you know does not know Christ. Maybe, just maybe, it's time for you to get a little uncomfortable and to go and share the gospel message with that person. We are to go, whether it's next door, at work, in our country, or even out of our country, and make disciples. It is not an option for us, but a command. It's a command for all who call Jesus Lord. The second part of this is that we are to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So the disciples were to baptize people because baptism unites a believer with Jesus Christ and their death to sin and their resurrection to new life in Christ. It symbolizes the submission to Christ and a willingness to live God's way and identification with the God's covenant people. So the summer going into my junior year of college was a rough summer for me. My parents had just divorced, and I came back um, over the summer to work at a church in Michigan. And that whole summer I spent trying to figure out a new normal, a new normal with not having my parents together, a new normal of what this new life looked like, kind of. Um, It was a time of just extreme brokenness um, and not knowing where God was. My faith was wrecked. My life was turned upside down. And yet somehow through it all, God was still good. I don't know how, but he was. And I had been working with a pastor pretty closely at the church I was at. And through conversations, uh, my faith began to take on this new dimension that it had never taken before. It, became, it started to become real, and it started to become something that I actually wanted to live out. Even in the midst of brokenness, even in the midst of just crazy pain, I still wanted to live this life of faith out. And so through some conversations with the pastor, he said, Tori, I think you need to be baptized. And I said, wait, I was baptized as an infant. And he said, yeah, that's fine, but you can also be baptized as a believer, too. And I said, okay, well, what does that look like? And he said, really, you just sign up to be baptized. And I said, well, why would I do that? And he said, well, it's so cool because God has taken your faith and made it more real to you than it has ever been in your entire life. And now you actually want to start living that out. And I said, yeah, that's true. And so I just I started praying about it, and I said, God, if you want me to do this, I will. And every time I prayed about it, I felt a resounding yes from the Lord. And it wasn't because I had to re- be rebaptized, but for me, being baptized signified the heart transformation that Christ did in my life. That Christ had taken me from the most broken I had ever felt in my entire life, and somehow put the pieces back together and made my faith way more than I ever thought it could be. And so I signed up. And when you live in Michigan and live on Lake Michigan, you get baptized in Lake Michigan. So we got baptized on a hot summer night in August. And my baptism for me represented my new life in Christ. 
Baptism is the symbol of conversion, indicating a union and a new identity with Jesus, who has died and been raised to a new life. 1 Corinthians 12:13 says, For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink from. See, when we become believers in Jesus Christ, we become part of a family. We're all given the same spirit. We are all unified together through our belief in Christ and by the Holy Spirit. Jesus told the disciples to baptize people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It was the outward sign of an inward reality that they were now a part of the body of Christ. They had been saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, you do not need to be baptized in order to be saved. The water does not save you. Only Christ can save you. But baptism is a way for us to show the people around us the work that Christ has done in our lives. It's a way for us to publicly proclaim that Jesus has done a huge transformation in our hearts and to show the people around us that. And I don't know about you, but I love seeing when people get baptized. It's a cool experience to see that Christ has made that person a new person and they are showing that to the world around them. The disciples were to baptize people that heard the good news and believed. They were to do that publicly so that people could see their faith on fire in God. They were to baptize them as a symbol to show everyone that this is a new believer and is a part of God's family and has committed their entire lives to Christ. The last part of this is that we are to teach. Jesus told the disciples, teach people to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus commands us to be teachers to the people around us. In order to truly put our commitment to Christ in action, we have to teach those around us. How many of you have ever had a mentor or someone that you really looked up to that came alongside of you either in a season or life or even through your whole life, and they taught you lessons about faith, about life, about a job, or whatever the case may be? I'm sure that we have all had those people. And I'm sure that we probably won't ever forget them. I know that I will never forget the people that have helped form me into the person that I am today because they had a huge impact on my life. This is exactly what Jesus is telling the disciples to do. He is essentially saying, be a mentor to my people. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. All disciples, new and mature, are being taught to obey everything Jesus had commanded us in his word so that we can become increasingly more like him every single day. New disciples are being taught the rudimentary elements of the Christian life, while more advanced teaching is given to the mature disciples as they advance in their faith. But the emphasis is not simply on acquiring knowledge. Knowledge is good, but unless we put that knowledge into practice, it will only ever be knowledge. The distinguishing feature is always that disciples are to obey and conform their lives around the teachings of Jesus Christ and God's word. Paul really took this commission to teach others to heart. He was the ultimate mentor. It would have been so cool to be mentored by Paul. But he mentored Timothy. He walked with him in life. He taught him about scripture and living a life of faith and really just came alongside of him and encouraged him along the way. Paul wrote in his letter to Timothy the words to remind him to keep living a life of total faith to Christ in the midst of anything that life may bring. First Timothy 1, 6-13 says, 
For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Jesus Christ before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death, brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you heard from me, Timothy, keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So Paul wrote Timothy and encouraged him to be strong in his faith and to remind him of the power of the Holy Spirit that he had living inside of him and that no matter what life brings, no matter how hard it gets, that the suffering that he is going to go through is totally worth it. Paul reminds him at the end in verse 13 to keep the things that he has learned from Paul close to his heart. Keep the things that Paul had taught him in their journey together close because that is the, that is the stuff that is going to help him carry his faith through to the very end. His love and his faith in, Christ, in Jesus Christ and the things that he has learned on his journey will help him remain faithful to Christ through anything. So what does this look like for us? How do we teach those around us? Well, everyone in this room is called to be teachers of the word. Just like the disciples were called to be teachers, you do not have to have the spiritual gift of teaching to teach. You can teach with your life. You can teach with your words, your actions, all of those things. If we're truly committed to Christ and putting our faith into action, then we have to be committed to teaching his word to those around us. Does your life reflect the teaching of Christ and obedience to the word? If someone were to look at you, would they see Christ in you? Are you teaching those around you through your actions, your words, and your deeds, the power of Christ living in you? We have new generations being born daily. In church, they need you. We cannot expect the next generation of kids to be Christ lovers if we aren't willing to come alongside of them as mentors and teachers and show them what a life of faith looks like. But teaching has to happen everywhere. It can't happen just from us at the church. It has to happen in our homes. It has to happen every single day. Pastor Joel and I are only two people. We cannot mentor everyone here. As much as we would love to, we just can't. But teaching has to happen in our homes as well. Parents, your kids need you to teach them about the word of God. They need to hear from you that you believe in the things you say you do and teach them why. Kids need to see you being transformed by the Holy Spirit and living that out every single day. They need to see you putting your commitment to Jesus Christ first in all that you do and acting in that every single day. Our youth need you too. As a youth pastor, I have the amazing and scary responsibility to care for the students here, and I love that. I absolutely love it. But like I said, I'm only one person. 
our students need adults to come alongside of them and to love them through all of life's crazy developmental stages. And I have seen the impact that showing a student your faith can have. I have seen transformation happen between both people when an adult comes and walks alongside of a student and shows them how to live a life of faith. It is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Our students need adults to come alongside of them and love them through puberty, through middle school, through high school, all of those things. Having a faith that is alive in middle school and high school is hard. It is really hard. But if we have people that are surrounding each other and constantly committed to teaching one another, then I think that our kids can do it. When we are committed to teaching others about Christ and the word and how to live a life of obedience to the word, something amazing happens we actually end up growing in our faith too. We become learners because we are digging into the word of God with them. We become teachers because we are trying to teach them and guide them and mentor them. And we all end up growing in our faith. It is a beautiful thing. Now, I'm sure that the disciples were scared when Jesus told them all of the, all the stuff that they had to do. I am sure that they were a little nervous to go out and make disciples and to baptize and to teach because Jesus was gone. He was leaving them. They had to do this for themselves. But still, thousands of years later, we are still learning about Christ, all because the first disciples decided to say yes. They decided to say yes to making disciples, to baptizing and to teaching And now, thousands of years later, it's our turn. It's our turn to commit to that as well, to live out the Great Commission. The Great Commission that Jesus gave his disciples required them to put their faith into action. We, like the disciples, are called to be disciples that are making disciples. We are called to baptize people and to invite them into the family of God. And we are called to continue teaching those around us how to live an obedient life of faith in the world around us. The final words Jesus spoke in the book of Matthew is what gives us the greatest assurance that we can do this every single day. Because he promises unconditionally that surely he is with us always to the very end of the age. Our discipleship to the risen Jesus continues to be our greatest source of comfort, power, and security. When we are living into this, Jesus promises us that he will always be with us. He will always give us the words to speak. He will always tell us what to do next and the next best thing to do. We don't go through this alone. We don't go through this alone by ourselves, but we also have an awesome church body that is living this out as well. And so we can lean on each other and really, truly live this out, live the great commission out that Jesus is calling us to do. The task at hand is scary, and it's nerve-wracking, and it will totally push us out of our comfort zones. But it's worth it. All of us here are fully equipped, and I hope that you hear that. You are fully equipped to live into the Great Commission. You have everything you need. The real question is, is are we going to? Are we going to live this out in our daily lives as a church? No one is going to volunteer for us in place for this. This is for you to personally live out every single day. And I can guarantee you when you live this out, you will see transformation happen. So you will learn things that you never learned before. And it is a beautiful thing to do. So as you go into this week, 
I want you to think about that. Think about ways that you can live into the Great Commission. Live into this in your life and take on a life of making disciples that are making disciples, or being disciples that are making disciples and teaching people about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Because I, I think that if we lived into this as a church, and in many ways we do, um, that our faith in Christ will just blossom. It'll be very cool to see. So let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for being here with us. God, I pray that you would just be with us um, as we seek to live this out, Lord, as we seek to live into the Great Commission. God, I pray that you would lay the things on our hearts that you want us to live into. I pray that you would remove the fear that we have, um, if there is any, Lord, and that you would help us as individuals, but also as a church, to live this out daily. Amen. And will you please stand and sing hymn number 43, Great is Your Faithfulness.
Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus has laid out his commission for all of us, and now it's our turn to live into it. As you go from this place, I encourage you to think of ways that you can live into the Great Commission every single day. Go in peace.